I don't understand what my tax debt strategy should be. If this is something you've thought or said, stay tuned. We're going to talk all about how to take care of this. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. Developing a strategy for paying taxes is not something that's talked about a lot. How much money uh, one earns is not something that's often discussed, especially amongst, amongst business owners. Similarly, how much one owes in taxes or how we go about paying those taxes is generally not a topic of conversation. But one of the darkest places a business owner can find themselves is working out of a messy situation with the IRS. So we have this, this confluence of two things which create can create a big problem. Nobody wants to talk about this, and if you screw it up, the consequences are severe. So we don't want to find ourselves in a situation. This is not something to be taken lightly, and we have to avoid it. Uh, remember, when all else failed and no other government agency can take down, could take down Al Capone, it was the IRS who was finally able to, to pull it off. Um, we do not want to find ourselves working out some kind of repayment plan or a series of audits or whatever with the IRS. We do not want to deal with that. So how do we avoid all that? Well, let's talk about it. A few weeks back, um, we talked about your CPA being one of your key advisors and how we should meet with our CPA at least twice per year. I can't stress this enough, how important it is to have a CPA you trust. I don't mean just trust, like giving them your personal information, but you trust their judgment. You know that they're giving you sound advice, that when they tell you something is going to happen in April of this year, it turns out to actually work out that way April next year. The things that they are able to help you forecast turn out to be true. These are critical things for us to, to have. We have to have this confidence, right? Um, so I can't stress that enough. In that first meeting, again, which should happen around the end of April, after your CPA is finished with tax season, we don't want to do this in the middle of tax season. We don't want to be dealing with a cranky CPA when they're working a million hours every week. Let's wait till that passes. Um, but you and your CPA should be able to figure out a forecasted revenue and profit number for the year. They're going to help you uh, if you don't know, which you may not, and that's okay. They're going to help you dial in by asking some questions. What do you think your revenue is going to be like compared to last year? What do you think your profits going to be like compared to last year? What expenses do you have that you didn't have? What expenses did you have that you no longer will? What are you expecting to buy in equipment or vehicles? There's a ton of things they're going to ask you, which will help dial in these numbers. So at the end of that conversation, you're going to want to, going to, want to agree upon a forecasted revenue, and a forecasted profit number for the year. Uh, then you're going to talk about things like depreciation, what's your depreciation uh, strategy going to be, deductions, etc. The whole idea is to get an estimate of your total tax liability for the current year. How much in total tax are you going to owe based on what we, the information we have and based on what we can forecast right now, eight months before the end of the year. 
Uh, you're also going to know in this conversation how much your quarterly or monthly estimates are that you'll be paying throughout the year. That should have been figured out um, a month or two prior to this conversation, maybe a couple weeks prior to this conversation, but those numbers should be in hand before you have this conversation. So you should know your total estimated uh, tax that will be due, and you should know what your quarterly or monthly estimates are going to be throughout the year. So it's real simple. Once you have those two numbers, you take the total tax liability and subtract the amounts of your quarterly and month or monthly estimates, and that will tell you how much your out-of-pocket tax expense will be in April the following year. So once you know that, it's real simple. Take the date of this conversation, take the total number of taxes can be due out-of-pocket, divide that total number of taxes due out-of-pocket by the number of weeks between now and then. If it's something like 48 weeks or 40 weeks or you know whatever the number is, that's how much money per week you need to be setting aside in, a, in an account that has no other function than warehousing the tax money that will be due to the IRS the following year. Um, one of the worst things you can do, in my opinion, is treat tax liabilities like a bill, the same as you would insurance or rent or a subcontractor, right? We don't want to treat the tax money like it's ours, and then we just have a quote-unquote bill that comes due, and now we have to pay this quote-unquote bill out of our money. That way of thinking can get you in real trouble. So, for instance, if you collect sales tax for your state, from the moment that tax is collected, it is not your money. You're simply a part of the process of collecting this for the state. It is not your money. Every penny you should, you collect should get transferred into a sales tax account every week, maybe every day, uh, however you want to do it, but on a very frequent, regular basis those dollars should be deposited into penny for penny into an account that serves no other purpose than warehousing that tax uh, sales tax money you collect. Um, do not commingle those funds. I would just recommend you do not commingle those funds with your own, right? When it comes to income tax, same thing. From the moment that revenue is collected, which creates the profits upon which you will pay personal income tax, that tax money belongs to the government. It does not belong to you. So we need to treat it as such. It's not our money. We're just temporarily holding it for them. This is the way it is. You don't have to like that you're paying the taxes. You don't have to agree with how much it is. None of that stuff matters. Uh, and I could be right, I would be right there with you in arguing sometimes that the amount um, that they withhold is, is not um, reasonable. It doesn't make sense sometimes. But when we're in the middle of it, it doesn't matter anymore. The tax is due. It's not your money. Let's not treat it like it is. Um, this is one of the best benefits or biggest benefits that I got from the book Profit First. Um, by dumb luck, I happened to be doing some of this stuff before I read that book, but that book really solidified this. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, having an account for you to deposit money into each week uh, sometimes each month, depending on, on how uh, what your tax situation is, um, so you do not commingle tax money with your own, is a fantastic habit to get into. If you do not treat the tax money as your own, you can't miss it when the tax comes due. You simply take the money out of the account that holds this, that warehouses this money, and you pay it to the government, and you've pretended all along like it's not even there, which means you're not making financial decisions on how to run your business, calculating in or factoring in money that just is not yours, right? 
Uh, if you do treat the money like yours and you keep it in your checking account with your money, you'll see it there and you'll just begin to have this feeling that you have money that you just don't have. And it's going to hurt when you have to write that check out of your checking account because it feels like you're giving up, quote unquote, your money. Um, if you have an extra 50 or 70 or $100,000 in your checking account that is tax money that's due, you just get a false sense of how secure things are. You get a false sense of how much money you can spend on equipment or vehicles or marketing or whatever the case may be. You get a false sense of how much money you have at your uh, disposal for these kinds of purchases. And it, it can lead you down a very bad path. And then all of a sudden you have to write this big check to the IRS or pay the sales tax that you collected the previous month or the previous quarter, whatever your situation is in your state. And now you, you can find yourself really in bad shape. You can find yourself even short. So again, let's get in the habit of putting the money aside. You will be thankful you did once you start doing that. Uh, then we're going to meet with our CPA in the late third or early fourth quarter to make sure our estimates from April or May are still on track. If they're no longer accurate because you're having a more profitable year, we still have a few months to up the amount we need to put in that, in that uh, tax, excuse me, the income tax account before the end of the year. We have time to make adjustments. Um, if we wait too long, you will not have that time. If you have this meeting in December or January even, um, you don't have time necessarily to make the adjustments necessary to make, make this as easy as possible. If you're having more profits, you're going to owe more tax. Let's give ourselves as much time as possible to get out in front of that. On the other hand, if you're having a less profitable year than you anticipated, you can lower the amount of money you're putting aside and start putting that money towards those other expenses. Um, you've ran a little leaner than you need to. So now we can we can uh, open up the, the funds a little bit because you're a little less profitable than you thought. Um, again, this is a great thing to know. You could be, if you didn't have the second conversation with your CPA and you're putting this money aside for taxes that are not going to be due, you could be really hurting yourself. You could be not spending enough on marketing. You could be not making the improvements you should be making, not buying equipment that's going to make you more money. You could be limiting things that you could be doing to make yourself more profitable because you don't know that you can you can lighten up on how much money you're putting in your tax account. So these are these are really important meetings to have twice a year. So the first thing we need to do, again, the first step with all this is we got to find a CPA we trust. We got to find a CPA we trust their judgment and we can trust giving our information to. We can treat this person like you would treat a doctor and be 100% honest with them and trust that they're going to make good decisions that are going to help steer you in the right direction. If you don't have that kind of relationship with your CPA, you have to find another one. Um, this is as I'm, as I'm recording this, it's in April. It's a great time of year to be uh, re, uh, scheduling this first meeting with your CPA. So if you haven't scheduled that yet, uh, today's a, day, a great day to get that done. If your CPA says something like, there's no need for us to meet, there's no need for us to forecast your revenue, your profit, next year's tax liability, or they don't subscribe to the profits first model. If they say something like that, I'm telling you, I would really recommend you find another CPA. Uh, this is going to make your life a lot easier. If they're not interested in doing something that's going to make your life easier, then let's move along and find somebody else who will. Um, I can't think of a single positive reason for for not doing this, for not scheduling, knowing what the or anticipating what the tax liability is going to be, putting the money, money aside every week so it's not a burden when you have to write the check. It's super simple. You don't even notice the money being gone because you've treated it like it wasn't there all along. 
So uh, to wrap things up, again, one of the worst places a business owner can find themselves is working on a sticky mess with the IRS. Once you've gotten intertwined in that, things stay bleak for a long time. And, and some people just frankly don't ever get out of that. Some people just have to close their business down and go get a job and just owe the IRS money forever and ever and ever, it seems. Um, these are very unpleasant situations. Uh, I can't stress that enough. I know people who have gone through these things personally. They are not fun. Um, this is not, let's not make this the result of, of starting our business. Um, again, we got to find that CPA we trust. I can't stress that enough. In the April meeting, you and your CPA are going to agree upon the forecasted revenue and profit for the year. You're going to go through some calculations for depreciation, deductions, uh, new CapEx expenditures you're going to have, all those kinds of things um, to figure out your total tax liability for the current year. You're going to know how much your quarterly and monthly estimates are going to be. You're going to take the total liability and subtract those quarterly or monthly estimates uh, to get your true out-of-pocket liability that will be due next year. You take that divide by the number of weeks you have until it's due, and you know how much you need to be putting aside in that account every week. Um, and we just don't want to treat this money like our own. The worst thing, one of the worst things we can do is treat it like a bill and treat it like it's our money until this quote-unquote bill comes due. That's a very dangerous place to be. Uh, put the money in its own account and just treat it like it's not yours. Uh, and again, if you have not read the book Profit First, they really do a great job explaining this. I think it's a fantastic tool um, uh, to help keep um, real true vision on what amount of money you have access to. And it does a great job of talking about paying yourself first, which I think is a great message as well. Anyhow, I don't want to get off topic. Uh, if you haven't read the book, though, uh, check it out. Um, and then once, once we have the money in the account, we're going to meet with our CPA again in late third or early fourth quarter to make sure our estimates are on track. We're going to make adjustments as necessary. Simple as that. Then when the check or the, the, the time comes to pay the liability, it's not a big deal. We're not going to miss the money. We've treated it like it wasn't ours all along. It's simply just taking it from one warehousing spot and giving it to whoever the check is due to, and they're going to warehouse it from now on. It just makes life so much easier. So that's it for the tax debt strategy. Um, we'll talk more about taxes later on and depreciation and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into those topics later on. This is simply talking about how to make it as easy as possible for us to pay the liability that's due. So that's it for this week. As always, if you know of a, a friend or a colleague who's a business owner in the service industry who could who could use some help with, from a podcast like this, I'd sure appreciate you passing it on. If you have a couple minutes and can spare the time for giving us a rating or review, that would be fantastic also. Uh, with that, Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending your time with us. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you all soon.